This week on Next in Media, I spoke with Adam Rudman. He's the SVP of Product Strategy and Management at Yahoo. Yes, Yahoo, which has been experiencing something of a renaissance since it was acquired by the private equity firm Apollo a few years back. Adam walked me through why the company decided to shake up its ad tech operations earlier this year and where it's investing a surprising amount on the consumer front. Let's get started. Hi, welcome to Next Day Media. My guest this week is Adam Rudman. He's the SPP of Product Strategy and Management at Yahoo. Hey, Adam, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Mike. Excited to be here. Same. I think it's a cool time to talk to you because you've been you've been with Yahoo in various forms and AOL for a while, right? You were at Microsoft previously. I'm looking at your resume here. Yep. Yahoo, I saw somebody on Twitter the other day talking about Yahoo, a Yahoo renaissance, which you probably find amusing because it's not like Yahoo ever went away but the company i wonder how you th- you think about it because yahoo's been around for a long time lots of history different owners strategies you know um how do you articulate like i wonder if you face questions from brands about the cup co- that you know the platform's relevance right now where it stands and where it fits how do you articulate yahoo's value in 2023 yeah it depends on who you talk to if i'm talking to a, a fellow baseball parent on the sideline about the yahoo brand or my Talking to someone that I've worked alongside in ad tech for the last 15 years, the conversations are a little different. Um, you know, the nostalgia for the consumer brand is is probably the most fun thing to talk about these days, uh, just because there is a lot of rooting that we get from both customers and partners and folks in our life that are rooting for the brand because they grew up with it. And then on the ad tech side, it's a very nuanced conversation that few are are well versed enough to to know the lineage. I, I know you do, but that's a a more interesting trail uh, to to navigate down towards in, in discussing it. Yes, I agree. Um, and I, I remember the for many years there were these tortured questions about whether whether is Yahoo a technology company or not? Are you a you're a portal or a consumer brand a platform? Um, and that with the, the and the, you know, these are the kind of things that they now you know, eventually tortured Meta and Google with, but um, it seems like, you know, there are very, there are very clear pieces of Yahoo that do different things. What I want to get into those, like in, in terms include that ad tech history you're talking about, but what, what, what might people in our industry not understand about the current state of Yahoo and maybe where you're investing? Yeah. The, the thing that comes up for me in the last, you know, three to six months that we've really pivoted our strategy is the, the, the new area of both focus and decisiveness that I think has been missing from the the last decade of ad tech under whether you want to call it Yahoo or AOL because they both did the same things in parallel. Yeah, and you know, not not many folks realize how many bold and firm and in my opinion, really smart decisions have been made just in the last six months that, uh, quite honestly, um, were overdue type decisions around how to how to be decisive and to have a focus. Okay, what can you can you elaborate on what some of those decisions were? Like what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biggest, the easiest way to describe it. I mean, if you go into uh, what we were taking to market just as recent as January, February of this year, we were standing up three distinct ad platforms alone. Okay. Um, uh, entire platform dedicated to being an SSP and an exchange, an entire ad platform dedicated to being a native ad network, and of course a demand side platform. 
Um, there's all, that, those are just the main large platforms. There's a long history of smaller, more niche, you know, platforms that were also adjacent for the years prior. But the fact that we made the decisive, you know, move to go to just the demand side platform, um, and how we chose to, to, to go with the DSP and how we chose to both partner on the native side and, and, you know, move forward. Those decisions have been like the biggest weight off my shoulders having been here for so long and it's been way easier to operate. Um, that's the thing that I think even to this day, folks are so accustomed to us having so many different pieces of tech that they're, they're surprised by and, and want to hear more about. So let's talk about that. Why, um, because there are companies like, you know, there, there's long, it's long been debated in ad tech, whether you should serve both sides of the industry or the middle or not. And some have gotten, some have thrived on focus. Others have done really well, like Google, for example, or the, owning lots of pieces of the stack. Was your decision to focus based more on, you know, these pieces were built by different teams and they didn't work together that well? Or is it more about like, expertise in one part of the market like what was behind this okay we gotta we, we gotta pick one thing and do it well there's a there's a there's more than one dimension as you might imagine um and i can touch on a few of them the biggest ones uh the biggest dimensions that really made the decision um clear uh were where we were seeing the most traction and if you I'll set native to the side, but for DSP versus SSP, that's a great question. You know, should you have both sides of the equation? First, I'll just say that like, there is no such thing as an ad platform that doesn't work with both supply and demand partners. That's, that's obviously a gray area, you know, whether or not you take a position on one side or the other is obviously the nuance. Um, but we had both and we had, uh, customers and still do that actually really like our demand side platform and had great traction with uh -huh. really great brands and buyers. I can't say that we had anywhere near the same amount of traction, um, on the sell side platform. And I can say that with firsthand knowledge, cause I ran sales for the sell side okay. platform for a number of years. And so that was, that was probably one of the biggest, uh, forcing factors to, to really examine what made the most sense. Was there ever conversation? I want to ask, ask you more about some of those other, other dimensions you hinted at, but was there any, I think some people might've wondered if you're from, if you're maybe outside this a little bit, you know, the, there seems to be a somewhat of a consolidation where the winners are getting bigger in ad tech moment where there was, so, you know, like we, we've talked so long about the ever fragmented loom escapes and crowded marketplace. Like you seeing the big guys get really big, media math going away. Like maybe there's, you know, was, was anybody ever saying, should Yahoo be an ad tech at all? Or should we just focus on our consumer products and just go with that? Or was that not even on the table? There's the, you, you have to ask that question. I think you have to ask all questions, right? And we have a great, you know, partnership with, you know, Apollo that that really provokes us to ask, you know, really smart and, and, and productive type questions like that. Um, for me, and you can get, you can get multitude of answers on that. For me, um, with the demand side platform, you're, you're working with the same agencies, buyers, marketers that are, you're already engaged with in a lot of cases for the consumer property in, yep. in terms of selling ads, there is a there is a good synergy there and it does make you a more meaningful partner to those buyers. If you can work with them, not just on your own and operate a property. Sure. So there, there's a, 
an explanation for why that could work together. Okay. Um, what are some of the other dimensions you mentioned that like were went into the, the decision of focus beyond, you know, I guess besides just the, you had, you were, you were stronger on one side with customer relationships than the other. What else went, kind of went into that? I mean, if you look at the sell side platform business, that's a tough business to be in. Yeah. Our SSP, you know, like many SSPs today really relied upon being one of say 15 SSPs in the header. Uh-huh. And I think that for me, I think that made the sell side business lower barrier to entry. Like you could work with a lot of publishers because of header bidding. Yeah. But were you a meaningful partner to that publisher? And for me, uh, what I experienced and what our teams experienced was a conversation with a, a great publisher. When they when they worked with us on the SSP, what they were really truly interested in was our unique demand. And which means working with our DSP. Right. And so that's that, you know, continuation. I'm sure we'll talk about that later today. That can still continue without actually having an SSP. You don't have to have an SSP to provide unique demand to a right. publisher. Well, you're seeing that a lot, right? In the industry that there's these these alliances forming and paths being forged that are exclusive or semi-exclusive. And that's the tr- definitely a trend that seems to continue. Exactly. And so for us, if we, like, uh, if you go back to the first thing I, you know, threw out there, you, you can't be an ad tech, you know, platform without working with both supply and demand in some way. Yeah. And so if, if the whole supply side ecosystem is just telling us very clearly, the reason we like working with you is because of your unique demand and that's it. Um, you know, especially for what we had to offer then, and we can have a way of getting out of the way of, you know, forcing them to work with a, a, another SSB and still give them what they need. That was a, that was a really easy way to f- forge a path forward with a focused platform strategy. Right. Yeah. Listen to your customers at some point, they're telling you something, what they need. Um, it's a rare circumstance where you can make a decision that's good for you as a company and great for your customers right. on both sides. Right. It was good. Speaking of, can you talk about the, we've mentioned a couple of these uh, maneuvers by some of the bigger tech players. You've got the trade desk kind of, the, they're either going around SSPs or creating their own unique demand. You've, you've seen stuff from Magnite along the same lines. You guys stepped in the ring with, with Backstage. Can you talk about what that is and what led you there? Yep. Yep. So a part of that conversation, you know, looking at the, you know, 2000 plus publishers that we worked with as a part of our SSP. When we took a when we took a step back, and I already told you what those publishers wanted from us. When I took a step back with the demand side lens and looked at those two thousand plus pubs, um, there there is really a small subset of those publishers um, that are platform. And I mean, the platform itself seemed to be more attracted to, you know, bidded uh, more aggressively towards. And in in combination with the platform, the the buyers that we worked with, they were more leaned into wanting to engage with a subset of those publishers. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's a pretty highly concentrated area of inventory that, that, uh, warrants doing more PMPs with and leaning Uh into. So, so with that, we already had these relationships, um, with those, um, pubs and it was a easy path to see forward to see how could we incorporate those small number of publishers into our stack so that we could work more closely with them, give our marketers what they want, give our pu- those publishers what they've only been asking for and create an option. 
And, and that's really what Backstage is. It's a great option for our buyers and our publishers to work closely together. And yeah, um, I'll say it, they don't need to work with a third-party SSP to enable it. Yep. Um, they're also not required to do this. It's, it's, that's why I keep stressing it's an option. Right. What do you, th- you know, stepping back, if you can, a little bit from just the, the looking at this broader trend, what, what happens, how did, how might this shake out in the market with more of these direct paths and more emphasis on, you know, exclusive relationships or private marketplaces? You know, I wondered if you're going to see a bunch of, we always say this is going to happen. A bunch of ad tech companies are going to go away or, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a much, like, you know, the, the supply chain will be, you know, much shorter. That's what everyone wants. But then you, then you talk with people that, well, no, the open web is so massive. Even if top 2000 publishers have a bunch of unique deals, for example, like it's never going to cover off the whole business. You're still going to need all these other players. What do you think? Where do things head? There's good. Ad tech will always find a way to have a proliferation of a new subset. I mean, if you look at the explosion of measurement uh, companies that are now sort of coming out, that seems to be uh, an area right now where there's just a lot of growth and in, in, in new sector. I don't think there'll be a new explosion of you know sell side platforms. I don't think that's um, any, anything anyone would forecast right now. Yeah, and, but I also think that that sector goes obsolete. There's no reason for that. They still provide value and, and they're still um, reaching, you know, the long tail in a lot of cases and publishers that fit the bill of, say, those other 1,900 pubs that we used to work with, we're still going to buy from them. Those pubs are still going to be activated through. Right. In terms of how it impacts the Lumiscape, man, if I knew that, I would be a better stock investor. Right. I don't know. It, you know, I, I do, I will lament that, like, I, I do have, um, fonder memories of the early stages of RTB when there was a lot more different platforms and it was a little bit more exciting and you're right it's yeah. gotten a little bit more concentrated and it was a challenge for us as an SSP when we leaned into demand side partners our own DSP and a short list of others provided a lot of the demand and that's what a lot of publishers see and that's that's concerning I guess um but uh, you know predicting how it'll go moving forward I mean uh the the, the playing field's get a little different when there's no cookies and that might jolt the system one direction or the other. There's a lot of possibility for movement. Yeah. I might want to come back to that thought, but I want to ask you, you know, you mentioned the 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 Yahoo that people know when you talk to them at a kid's soccer game or something like that. What can people, you know, if, if you're in the, in the industry and you're, you know, tend to focus on the, what's going on with the the duopoly and retail media and the bigger, some of the bigger players, what's going on on the consumer front with Yahoo that we should know about? You know, the, there there is the lingering image of the portal and the big email company. I know that you've just been investing heavily in sports, for example. What can you tell us about the, the consumer product and maybe where things are headed next? It's pretty cool. I mean, uh, for the the finance and sports sides have both been in a very lean forward mode that I don't, I don't know that they've been in for quite some time. Sports has made some really awesome hires um, that have come in in the, in the last few weeks. Ryan Spoon being one of them, just, just being appointed president of Yahoo Sports. That's like, huge hire and for a product that has a great following with fantasy and uh-huh. um what they're doing they've they've made some cool acquisitions you've probably heard of wager a peer-to-peer sports betting app on the finance side there was just an acquisition about i don't know 24 48 hours ago with common stock um we're we're leaning into new capacities around live events which is kind of cool something that you know i didn't see in the early years um the leaders there Toppin, who's been you know phenomenal there's just a lot of energy coming from that side that 
for me, I feed off of being, you know, that we're so, you know, we're so excited to see that, you know, being invested in it, it, it indirectly fuels what we've been taking to market on the identity side through the connect ID, because the, the larger consumer footprint is the Yahoo mail, the, the larger our footprint is with identity solutions. Um, so that, you know, momentum swing that I, I think you can probably measure it back to about a year, year and a half now has been, um, has been really awesome. And I think, you know, consumers are going to already see some of those benefits. I get the early peaks and it's, it's awesome. So that's interesting. Cause I think, you know, people expect, you know, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, yeah, who's been through lots of different ownerships and leadership teams. Maybe it might be help people to tell people about what Apollo is and all about. Cause I think people would assume, well, there, somebody comes in like that, they are going to bleed that thing for cash, right? They're going to flip it somehow. Or they're going to just coast with what they have left over yeah. from the portal days. And that's, and then you know, bring as much as you can out of that thing and it'll, it'll be, be fine. We'll, we'll talk about maybe what the management team and where that, and what, how that, how that experience has been versus the previous eras and wh what that's all about. Yeah. I had no, um, experience with private equity leading up to, you know, the, this transaction, which is coming up on about two years. Right. And it's, and it can sound scary, I'm sure. Right. Like, uh oh, I, when I, when, when rumors were being spread and it sounded like private equity, I had the same reaction that most people did. Like, like kind of what you articulated. I have lots of friends in the industry who work at ad tech companies that got bought by other private equities. And I saw what they went through. I frankly did not want to have any part of uh -huh. that. And I have since learned not just from, you know, my own experience, but, you know, from other folks who have been working in finance that no, Paul is different. And, and. I see what they mean now. They really feel like this is an investment opportunity. Um, I think they've been very vocal about how they feel like they got a great deal. And I, you know, they, when you look at the math, they, they really did. And so they challenge us in a way towards how can you grow in a way that I'm not sure most PEs challenge their, their, you know, their companies. They're smart and, um, it is refreshing that, you know, for most of us in ad tech, when we talk to those who don't work in ad tech, we have to slow down our, you know, <laughs> just take it easy on the acronyms and we have to repeat ourselves and haven't had to do that. And that's been pretty cool. Um, they've, they've been a, uh, you know, I feel like I'm doing a commercial for Apollo, but that's okay. Um, it's been, it's been a good ride thus far. And, um, I know I could speak for the majority of the executive leadership team. Like we've been pleasantly surprised by it. And it is the, the way they think or operate markedly different than say Verizon or some other places that you've been part of. Yes. Uh, the, you, it is a, a very, um, I mean, I've been through a lot of chapters, um, <laughs> you mentioned I've, I've done it twice working for a big company that also happened to own ads, um, pros and cons, uh -huh. um, can't say everything's perfect, but, um, yeah, the, the, you know, those, those who have known me the longest and check in on me are, are, um, that's pretty much the first thing I, I, I tell my friends in this business about is how, how different this ownership group has been compared to what we were doing, um, under Verizon. Okay. I want to come back to some of the identity stuff you hinted at, but what what is your, you know, we're heading into like, we're going to be going into September, back to school time, get back to work mode soon. What, what's the, if 
feels like there's an uh, optimism in the ad market, depending on what corner you're looking at in terms of digital. What are you seeing out there? Where are you guys in the consideration set? Where are you leaning into? What's what's kind of the state of affairs there? Yeah, I, I'm I'm sensing the same thing you are in terms of optimism, but we're always um, it's it's been a bit um, schizophrenic in terms of the markets the last twelve months, so we're all pretty cautious. Um, we're leading into uh, an, the same area of focus um, that we would have leaned into even if the economy wasn't on the up. You know, we're we're really really focused on uh, our advanced TV solutions. We are very very focused on um, refining the focus of supply path optimization through backstage, yep. um, and we have a continuation of focus. This has started you know, years ago around our identity solutions and getting ready for future-proofing our, our, our platform for when there are no cookies. Um, and, and that strategy was in place, you know, you know, I would say the minute we, we picked the focus of the one ad platform right. and, and it's continuing on. So, okay. The, the, identity product that you mentioned earlier is anybody who's got a lot of first party data is supposedly poised to win in this new in this coming post cookie era which is coming faster and faster um you don't always hear the yahoo in that conversation but you have uh, um, years and years of identity data i know some of it maybe not be as fresh as others i'm not sure but what what is what is the, the drive behind that product and how can you try and turn that into an advantage coming up here you know, when, when things really, when the signal loss really starts to kick in. Yeah, we, we definitely haven't been as vocal as some other companies have been around our identity and, and we're, we're, you know, our, our partners are aware of it, but I don't think the broader ecosystem has seen it as much. And so it's, it's upon us to, to, to drive that conversation a little bit louder. I mean, I don't think your average buyer or seller already knows that our, our identity graph reaches 192 million logged in users in the U S or 335 million globally. Um, shout out to, uh, Michael Sullivan. I don't know if you've, uh, talked to him. He's head of, uh, Sincera, who's been a great partner of us, helping us track our, our place in line, with the other identity solutions. And, uh, you know, we need to, we need to do a better job of, I'd say PRing that, mm-hmm. uh, that is the the sort of epicenter of how we we offer identity and and our advertisers are already activating upon it. Sometimes they don't even, you know, um, realize because it's it's as easy as using our platform was before Cookie Proof. And right. right now, the focus has been giving them the tools to test, you know, what the future is like by giving them A/B testing capabilities with with and without cookies, and then they get to see the power of it. The bigger the bigger differentiator, I mean, the scale is inherent with our consumer footprint, right? But the the bigger differentiator um, that I think takes some time to, to explain to some folks is that it's not just for the addressable users. It's not just for any authenticated logged in users, because obviously not every publisher gets as many logged in users as we do. It's also taking that footprint and giving yourself uh, um, a better cohort mix for targeting in a contextual manner. And so we okay. We've been building those features for two years now as well. Um, and so that's something that's becoming more potent for both marketers and publishers who are looking to to monetize in a non-cookie environment. Are brands, this might be hard to answer right now, are, are brands ready for those two pieces, like the addressable using coming in with clean rooms and matching up their their audiences as, 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 that, is, as that is hyped? 
and then, and the contextual product, or are they still kind of waiting around for this cookie switch to be flipped before they get really serious? I think we have a greater sense of urgency as a platform to be ready for it. So we've done, yeah. you know, we've done more work. I mean, we've got over 30 interoperability agreements on the demand side alone so that folks can bring in, you know, their CDP and, and interact with our Connect ID. Um, so we've been at this for some time um, so that brands maybe don't feel like, you know, they have to be as set urgent. Right. Publishers, They're leaning on the you. same conversation. Well, how urgent is it for them? Um, so I, I, I would say it's fair to say that we've probably been more proactive about it. Right. Um, i you, you mentioned, you know, I want to, I want to wrap soon and let you go here, but th- this is terrific. You mentioned advanced TV. I don't think uh, it's another area where I think people might not even realize, you know, there was a time when Yahoo was going for originals and Yahoo screen was from meant to be a CTV thing. And that's yeah. come and gone. And that was probably too early. And um, people might not realize you're even in, in the TV business or the way that you are at all. Um, tell us about that and why, where, where do you see the opportunity there? You know, given that you're not a, you know, you know, one of the guys in the streaming wars right now, for example. Yeah. You don't have to be a streamer to offer access to the largest household, uh, graph, uh, amongst ad platforms out there. We've, we've leaned into this, um, on our demand side platform with integrations with partners, Partners like DirecTV, Vizio, Samba TV, those those guys have helped us build, you know, access to um, to inventory in a way with data that our marketers are bought into. And you're right, it um, has nothing to do with Yahoo.com, and so oh. that we've been but we've been investing in it just because. To my earliest point, I mean, you don't have to just offer, um, you know, one slice of inventory to be a good partner, and and that's that's helped us get. Um, or our way from our, 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 our customers. And, and that's an area where we're going to continue to double down on. And I think, again, another benefit of just having that focus, we can actually give it that focus now with the, the singular platform. Right. Right. One platform. Is that, is that market, are you seeing, you know, if the broader digital ad, mar- ad marketplace is, is, is in one level of using addressable TV is supposed to get there, but it seems like it's going to take a little minute. Where, where, where are, where is this TTV marketplace right now in terms of like really unlocking this targeting that you're talking about? Yeah, well, that's the age-old question around how much um, can we uh, mature the spot market over the upfront, the new front, upfront uh, yeah. model. I don't have anything new to share there other than uh, we're living it. Yeah, and um, our publishers are at varying levels of of acceptance. I think. Yeah. Of, much disruption they can they can tolerate. Sure, we're here to satisfy both sides of it. I don't think we're going to be, you know, forcing anyone to change, but we are definitely making it easier for folks to 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 make that spot market more uh, appealing through programmatic and not having to leverage everything through linear in the old way. Cool. Well, it's a good place to be. Where given all the given the shifts we're seeing in TV and how fast it's changing, Adam, awesome conversation. Thanks for taking us through all the different uh, different updates here. Hopefully, we'll chat again down the road here. Love it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I look forward to talking to you again soon. You bet. Thanks again to my guest this week, Adam Rubin of Yahoo. If you like this week's episode, please take a moment to rate and leave a review. We have lots more to bring you, so be sure to hit that subscribe button. We'll see you next time for more with Next in Media.